I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do and there's no end to it. We sit in the house and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller and all we say is please at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel belted radios and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. Damn it. My life has value. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm looking through you Where did you go? I thought I knew you What did I know? You don't look different But you have changed I'm looking through you You're not the same Your lips are moving I cannot hear is soothing but the words aren't clear you don't sound different I've learned the game I'm looking through you you're not the same hi everybody this is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event Live from Montana, it's Saturday morning. Well, it's actually Friday morning when I'm recording, but you're listening on Saturday morning or Sunday morning or Sunday night, unless you're getting the podcast. Hey, I opened up with that clip from the movie Network from 1976. If I remember correctly, I was uh, 15. Um, seems to me that that one best Oscar, best, uh, best movie, uh, which back then it really meant something if, uh, if a movie won that. Now it's all political and, uh, and race-based and, you know, uh, all that stuff. So most of the time when I see something win best movie, most of the time doesn't necessarily mean I'll actually feel in, entertained. But that movie, that movie was, uh, was good. That's a great, hey, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And uh, surprisingly, uh, 1976, what's that, 45 years later? 45 years later, how much, how mad as hell we are. And we're not going to take it anymore. And then you listen to that. He's talking about the same kind of things that you know, Hey, that they're taking our stuff away and they're, and they're uh, trying to run our life. And, Oh, I'm a human. Damn it. My life means something. Yep. We're just watching it slowly, slowly, but you know how what's going on in this country is, is uh, for most people, it's the frog in the frog in the pot kind of thing. You know, if you uh, put the frog in the, uh, drop him into a pot of boiling water, he'll jump right out. But if you put him in a pot of, pot of cool water and slowly heat it up, he'll let, he'll he'll stay in there while it gets warm and feels like a nice warm bath until he boils and and he's done. And that's kind of what kind of what the what we see happening for most people in this country. You know, for those of you that are uh, of like mind with me, 
um, you're watching it and you're saying, what the hell is going on here? How, are, how is this being allowed to happen? How, how did, the, did our mighty Republicans allow the November 2020 election to stand? It's right there in front of everybody. There is clear evidence that the Democrats cheated and that Biden didn't win. But we have a few guys, a few guys uh, lead a lead a, a crazy crowd and go into the go into the White House or go into the Capitol and make everybody scared. And all of a sudden, everybody roll over and stuck their tail between their legs. OK, we'll certify the election. OK, we just don't want anybody to be mad at us. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's disappointing. It's uh, it's discouraging. And um it baffles it baffles me that this was allowed to happen and it disappoints me in my in my republicans in in congress and our republicans in the senate and our republicans across this country that we don't have you know what uh if if uh you know if you know why i used to say that hey if obama if obama uh doesn't win the reelection that the democrats are going to are going to riot and say well if if romney didn't win the election that republicans were going to riot except for you know the next morning when when Romney didn't win, uh, the Republicans all had to get up and go to work, unlike the Democrats. And, then, you know, that's kind of how what happened with Trump. And, you know, this whole thing went down and the Republicans just wimped out, didn't say anything. Didn't say anything. And the, the media didn't tell the people who did say something. The media squelched them out. They just eliminated them from what you could see. But anyway, well, that's what I talk about mostly all week. Mostly every week, but uh, today we're uh, we'll talk about some more of what's going on in the current week. That also that song is uh, was uh, "I'm Looking Through You" by the Beatles. That's from sixty something Rubber Soul album. Uh, you know what? Hey, uh, you don't look different, but think, but you have changed. Everything looks the same as Joe Biden, but somehow his words have changed. Somehow his attitude has changed. Somehow the guy that used to used to be pro uh, pro uh, 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 law pro pro law pro pro uh um the rule of law all of a sudden became hey there are no laws we don't have we don't have to have any of that stuff so it's it's pretty it's pretty disappointing and uh just in case you hadn't actually consciously said it to yourself hey you know what how come uh how come joe biden who used to be used to be somewhat of a somewhat of a tough guy in the senate is now such a such a nothing Oh yeah, maybe he's not really Joe Biden. Maybe maybe he's not really leading the country. Clearly, he's not leading the country, and I'll show you some examples of that. But before I go on, for those of you that don't know me, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, dear night, toll free area code 855-640-2020. If you want to talk to me, but you don't want to get some information on buying, refinancing, reverse mortgages, anything that is real estate financing, but you don't want to talk on the phone just yet because it's so personal. You don't want to talk about it at work or you don't want me to know what your voice sounds like in case, you know, we live close to each other and, and I don't tell you positive things. Um, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the Summit Funding logo. That'll take you to my lending page and you can put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back and you'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates. 
and we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Um, follow me on uh, social media. I'm at Ed Hoffman on Twitter, and I'm at Big Ed Hoffman on uh, Parlor, Clout Hub, Gab, uh, and then the Facebook page for the show is facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Um, if you have, uh, if you want to, if you want to hear anything repeated on the show, also at edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows, and you can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, I, Apple podcasts, where you can actually subscribe and have it download for free. Uh, once a week, whenever we upload it, it'll download right to your to your, uh, to your computer or your iPhone or your iPad or your iPod or your mini pad or your maxi pad and, uh, or anything you can uh, listen to a uh, podcast on. Um, if you have comments, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net or fill out the contact form at edhoffman.net, which a lot of you have been doing lately. So, uh, so let's get to what's going on since I just uh, burned uh, 10 minutes of my show uh, wandering through my thoughts. So uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan this week, Joe announced that the withdrawal of the U.S. troops from Afghanistan will begin on May 1st with a goal to accomplish full withdrawal by September 11th, the 20th anniversary of, of, two, of 9-11. Biden addressed the nation from the White House Treaty Room, the same spot where George W. Bush stood on October 7th, 2001 to announce Operation Enduring Freedom. Remember, the original purpose of the war was to stop the Taliban from supporting Al-Qaeda and conducting terrorist activities in Afghanistan. Here's some of Biden's announcement. With the terror threat now in many places, keeping thousands of troops grounded and concentrated in just one country at a cost of billions each year makes little sense to me and to our leaders. We cannot continue the cycle of extending or expanding our military presence in Afghanistan, hoping to create ideal conditions for the withdrawal and expecting a different result. I'm now the fourth United States president to preside over American troop presence in Afghanistan. Two Republicans, two Democrats. I will not pass this responsibility onto a fifth. I've concluded that it's time to end America's longest war. It's time for American troops to come home. Yeah, well, Biden is uh, Biden is uh, talking about we cannot continue and expand the, our presence in Afghanistan with everything else going on in the world at a cost of billions each year for thousands of people. I think I think there's about twenty five hundred troops left in uh, if Af in Afghanistan. And while I don't completely disagree with pulling them out. Pulling them out, and you know what is what are we really hoping to uh, hoping to accomplish there? And part of me says, hey, leaving a couple thousand and rotating people through to keep the presence, to keep the Taliban and the Al Qaeda from popping back up, um, I don't see that as a big deal. And I don't really see a big deal in pulling 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 everybody out. Trump wanted to pull everybody out, and you know, no matter what Trump said, there was opposition. But cost of billions, well. It gives us a little presence in the gives us a little presence in the Middle East. Uh, so if something happens there, we have we have guys local to respond. And I just don't see, based on how Biden is is squandering billions on on BS and who knows what else, um, why this is why this is a big deal. So within minutes of his speech, we heard everyone at, from Lindsey Graham to Mitch McConnell to Biden's own CIA director criticizing this decision. President Biden, unfortunately, 
has chosen the highest risk option available, which is to leave no matter what. Apparently, we're to help our adversaries ring in the anniversary of the 9-11 attacks by gift wrapping the country and handing it right back to them. When the time comes for the U.S. military to withdraw, the U.S. government's ability to collect and act on threats will diminish. That's simply a fact. Yeah, well, uh, I guess uh, the CIA director gave us, uh, gave us the same thing I just said. It uh, limits our ability to act when something happens in the region. And I like what Mitch McConnell said. Hey, we're going to on the 20th anniversary, we're going to gift wrap the gift wrap the country and just give it right back to the uh, to the to the enemy. Uh, I think who said it, who who said it best and installed the most confidence in our country about foreign policy and what we were doing there was President Trump. And I want you to listen, listen to this and just remember how it felt to have a have a real president who made common sense decisions and actually thought about strategies before just the symbolism of, uh, of what it meant. But to prosecute this war, we will learn from history. As a result of our comprehensive review, American strategy in Afghanistan and South Asia will change dramatically in the following ways. A core pillar of our new strategy is a shift from a time-based approach to one based on conditions. I've said it many times how counterproductive it is for the United States to announce in advance the dates we intend to begin or end military options. We will not talk about numbers of troops or our plans for further military activities. Conditions on the ground, not arbitrary timetables, will guide our strategy from now on. America's enemies must never know our plans or believe they can wait us out. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that was the, most, was the most common sense, logical strategy. And of course, that was, uh, that was in August of 2017, so seven months after Trump took office. I give him a few months to, to get the feel of how things work in Washington, D.C., and learn how to talk right. Uh, be a little bit more politically correct while still being Donald Trump. And, and you know, that made the most sense. He listened to his uh, leaders at the time, which was, uh, which was uh, David Mattis and uh, a true uh, um, war strategist and made sense. Biden's not listening to anybody. I don't think Biden has a clue of, of what his strategy is. What's, what's the object of the game? Well, you know, 9-11, 20 year anniversary is coming up. Let's do something. Let's do something really symbolic for the 20 year anniversary and just tell the whole world that we'll be out by September 11th. And on September 11th, he'll make some big speech about how we're gone as uh, as the Al Qaeda and, and all those guys over there find a way to send a symbolic attack on us. I don't know. I could be wrong on this stuff, but. I don't think I am. Um, on Tuesday, Biden administration worked out a deal with Northern Triangle countries, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, to boost their police and military presence in an effort to stem the flow of migrants into the United States. Kind of, uh, kind of what uh, I, I think we did with that. Uh, Trump did. They could have just kept the Remain in Mexico policy, but that would have required them to admit Trump did something right. So, uh, so hey, so now now Biden's doing it, and he's gonna. 
he's going to take a, a pat on the back, but I think it's too little too late. So now for the countries involved in the migrant crisis, the truth is finally coming out. Guatemalan President Alejandro Giamate, no relation to uh, Paul Giamate, the guy in uh, Sideways or on Billions, uh, told MSNBC that he blames Joe Biden's confusing messages for creating the migrant crisis. And the Mexican president made similar remarks in March. Here's the translation of Guatemala's president on Tuesday. I am nobody to make a judgment here, but I believe in the first few weeks of the Biden administration, messages were confusing. There were compassionate messages that were understood by people in our country, especially the coyotes, to tell families, we'll take the children. The children can go in, and once the children are there, they will call their parents. And so those messages were confusing, not because of the way they were communicated, but because of the way they were translated here. Well, he's uh, while the Guatemalan president is being careful to put in those last two sentences, the messages were, were confusing, not because the way they were communicated, but because the way they were translated here. All right. We're not telling you, Biden, that it's your fault because we want you to take people in. But it was the way it was translated here. You know, the English to uh, Spanish is different. So so I know that it may not have been easy to hear. So I'll just put uh, I'm no one to make a judgment. That's what he said. If you didn't hear it clear. I'm no one to make a judgment here, but I believe that in the first few weeks of the Biden administration, messages were confusing. They were compassionate messages that were understood by people in our country, especially the coyotes, to tell families, we'll take the children and the children can go. And once the children are there, they will call their parents. My question is, what are they understanding that to mean? That that the parents are going to pay the coyotes to take their kids to the border and then once they're there, they're going to call their parents. Are they going to call their parents to tell them they arrived safely? Or are they going to call their parents and say, come in and take care of your own kids. We'll let you in, too. You know, it's uh, what is the object of the game here? Regardless, Biden started started this. Meanwhile, Kamala Harris finally managed to answer a question about visiting the border without bursting into laughter. Will you visit the southern border? The president has asked uh, Secretary Mayorkas to address what is going on at the border. I have been asked to lead the issue of dealing with root causes um, in the Northern Triangles. I'm looking forward to traveling. Um, hopefully it's my first trip to the Northern Triangle, um, stopping in Mexico and then going to Guatemala sometimes. Sometime soon. So to deal with the to deal with the, the root causes of the immigration. Well, it's not too not too hard to figure out. If you ask Newt Gingrich, there's there's not much for Kamala to figure out down there because the root causes of migration are pretty simple all over the world. And it's not just the, the border countries. Uh, it's people from China, people from uh, India, people from Africa. Uh, when Calista and I were living uh, in Rome uh, while she was ambassador to the Vatican, you saw a huge number of people coming in from Africa. This is a worldwide challenge because some places are really well off and some places aren't. And the people who aren't well off have a totally human desire to get to the places that are well off. Uh, and we're just handling it about as badly as you can. So when uh, Biden appoints Harris to go down there and figure out what the root causes are, uh, Biden made a comment that said, well, you know, that's what Obama did with me. He wanted me to find out what the root causes were. And so I went down there and uh, I talked to them about what they need to make their people happy. So if they needed a streetlight, we put in a streetlight. You know, is that called nation building? So instead of just protecting our borders and taking our money and building up here, we're going to build up 
we're going to build up Guatemala and Mexico and El Salvador. And we're going to, so that people will want to stay, will want to, will want to stay there. Um, realize, realize that what they want to come to is the United States of America and the United States of America is the accumulation of all the progress and all the work and all the development that's gone over the, gone on over the last 240 some years. So think about this. If, if they're going to start something down there and we're going to start supporting all, we might as well just make them part of the United States if we're going to invest all that money in them. But let's just, let's just think about this. If you're 30 years old or you're 20 years old or you're 40 years old, um, are you going to be content because the United States is going to help you build up something over the next 200 years? Well, you're not going to be around to see the end result of it. So why don't we just go to the United States? That's kind of a human nature and that's how things work. Um, now let's talk about what's happening here in relation to that. Let's talk about the states that have been saying no to receiving migrant children. Uh, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds was asked by a local radio station what she would tell Homeland Security if they asked her to take migrant kids in the state of Iowa. Are foster families in Iowa going to start to be asked to uh, house migrant children? And then there was an article nationally that California foster families are being asked. Are you hearing uh, yet of any of the migrants or migrant children being moved into Iowa? No, I have not yet. I mean, they did reach out to DHS and we said no. Uh, Other states have had their National Guards, uh, 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 engine generals, they've reached out to them to ask. We will be, we we will not do that. We don't have the facilities. We are not set up to do that. This is not our, this is not our problem. This is the president's problem. He's the one that's opened the borders. He needs to be responsible for this and he needs to stop it. So at this point, no. And Jeff, we have, I mean, we have kids that we're having trouble placing right now that are Iowa children that need those foster homes. I mean, it's, we already have issues within the state that we're trying to address. Yeah. And uh, as someone who actually supports a foster care agency here locally uh, at Christmas time, um, you've got all these, all these tons of tons of, of uh, foster kids who by no fault of their own are, are not living with their parents and uh, they're being supported by government aid. But at Christmas time, at Christmas time, uh, many of them will not see any anything resembling a Christmas uh, Christmas gift. Um, had me and my employees not gotten involved every year, and we support them by uh, basically they give us their their wish list, and we go out and shop for them. We shop shop for them and deliver gifts. This past year was was uh, gift cards because of COVID, but I'm sure it's going to go back to the fun stuff next year. But we've been doing that for like ten years, and now the government wants to to pile on thousands and thousands of more kids into the system that don't even belong here. Or, you know, their parent, their parents paid coyotes thousands of dollars for each kid to get them here. And we're just going to pile that into our system here. And, and here's my, here's my thought is typically the States run their States and the federal government steps in when they need help. Hey, the state can't handle this. We need some help from the federal government. The federal government's, is there to take care of that in this case the federal government screwed up and created this crisis biden having having uh, no focus other than hey we're you know one of trump's big thing was build the wall keep the migrants out unless they unless we take them in one at a time so biden turned everything off that trump did and created this massive problem at the southern border and we don't even know how big of a problem it is I heard uh, I heard this morning uh, that they uh, that they they caught three convicted sex offenders coming over uh, two from uh, 
from Honduras and one from El Salvador that had been convicted in Minnesota, Georgia, and uh, what was the other other state of uh, Virginia, and they had been they had been convicted and deported back to their old countries during the Trump administration, and now here they are coming over the border, and luckily uh, Homeland Security or, or the Border Patrol. Um, caught these three but how many already how many have already got over anyway um i got lots more to say about this and the other states reaction to the uh to the migrants coming into their states but i'm out of time for the part one of the main event stay tuned for five minutes traffic weather commercials and sports and i'll be right back with lots more i'm looking through you where did you go And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance, but I could talk for the whole show about real estate and finance. Um, I made a big move this week and uh, basically got rid of six of my uh, six of my rental properties in the uh, in in uh, Moreno Valley, and uh, and I just sold them to an investor for a couple of million dollars and. Uh, and if you want to know how my strategies work, stay tuned later this year. My book will be coming out and and will be and there's a whole section on uh, developing wealth through uh, through real estate finance and why do it this way through real estate acquisition. And, um, you know, they they say most of the millionaires in, I think it's in the in the uh, in the movie Wall Street, um, the majority of the millionaires in this country are develop their wealth through through uh, uh, stocks and real estate. And uh, I had, had to teach many people this, that it makes, it makes the most sense. And it's a lot s- slower moving, slower moving. So you don't have, so you actually have time to think about your moves in real estate. But I just think that prices are at that point where it just makes sense to cash out. Now I'm looking at, I'm looking at a, at a, real estate market trends. And I talk about a lot of the, the market cycles in my book. So anyway, uh, that'll be out later this later this year, and I'll keep you up to speed on that. So before the, uh, oh, but if you want, if you want to talk about any of this stuff, call me 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo. So uh, we've been talking about um, the migrant crisis and uh, the things that Biden's kind of figuring out he screwed up. And he's trying to make some moves. And, uh, you know, he he said, hey, you know what? Uh, Trump had a Trump had a, uh, a limit on refugees coming in. And apparently uh, apparently uh, Biden just turned all that stuff off and then said, "Ah, well, you know what? Uh, I guess I didn't realize what a what a moron I am and how much of an idiot I am and how stupid I didn't really know what I'm talking about. Just wanted to undo what Trump did. And uh, now he's he's going back to the limits on refugees coming in. Uh, that would have been good information yesterday. Yeah, maybe two months ago. So anyway, uh, let's. Th- we were talking about the states that have refused to uh, let migrants in. Uh, I I gave you the information on Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds. What she said. She actually said in in the article she, that they didn't have it on tape, but she they said, "Hey, send these guys to the to the White House. It's for the most part empty." So uh, certainly the guy who sleeps in the in the residence. 
his head is empty. Uh, Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts uh, said they received DHS requests to take migrant children. Um, he responded the same way South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster did. They basically said, hey, our first priority is placement into foster care. The state's strained resources must be directed by addressing the needs of the children of their state, not, not people from outside the country, um, which I completely agree with. So that's uh, Iowa, Nebraska, South Carolina. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem tweeted on Wednesday, South Dakota won't be taking any illegal immigrants that the Biden administration wants to relocate. My message is to my message to illegal immigrants, call me when you're an American. She spoke about this uh, more with Laura Ingram that same night. Well, there is always a request made, um, I would, to the states where the federal government would put the request in and ask. And what I have determined by watching the actions of this president is that he is making America unsafe. Uh, these are people that are crossing our border illegally. We do not know who they are. Multiple news sources have told us that we have people on the terrorist watch list that are getting into this country this way, and they're not going to find a place here in South Dakota. They say, and I've heard them say this before, Governor. You know, we're, we're going to resettle them where we think, as a federal authority, that makes sense. They have in the past always communicated with governors. I wouldn't put it past this administration to do it very differently or do it in a way that they didn't have the authority to. Listen, from what we're seeing happen at the southern border and what we're seeing happen in so many of our cities that this administration isn't shutting down, it's dangerous. It's dangerous to America, to the people that live here, and it's going to take governors standing up and setting down uh, the rules on what's really going to happen in their states. Yep, I think uh, Christy Nome, just like Kim Reynolds, make make lots make lots of common sense, just like uh, Pete Ricketts of Nebraska and uh, and uh, McMaster uh, uh, Henry McMaster in South Carolina. I hope I hope a lot of other states do the same and uh, let Biden let Biden bring him into the White House and say, hey, live with live with uh, Biden. He won't even know you're there. So, in my new part time home state of Montana, Governor Greg Gianforte threatened legal action if Biden administration moves forward with, with a reported plan to fly immigrants to facilities on Montana's portion of the Canadian border. Montana is unable to care for those individuals and should not have to bear the public safety costs this reported action will impose. Know this, if these reports are confirmed, we will take any and all appropriate legal measures to immediately prevent these relocation efforts. So uh, think about this. First, he cancels the, the, the XL pipeline, which put... 11,000 people out of work in just the state of Montana. The XL pipeline enters the United States in Montana and it goes across Montana and affects a ton of people. And it just robbed, robbed the state of about of, uh, of $58 billion or $58 million in state revenues. Now they're going to dump a bunch of illegal immigrants here and put that cost on the, on the state. I think uh, the governor's job is to say, is to say no. I think the governor is there to uh, represent our our uh, our state, unlike uh, how it is in in the state of California. Um, but uh, I'm hoping that my new part time state in Montana will uh, will do his job and represent the people who live here and uh, pay taxes here. So uh, I don't I don't expect to be a full time primary resident of Montana. Um, although I the the future I won't rule anything out. It's nice up here. And uh, it's colder than California, but it's beautiful and it's peaceful and all the people are so nice. And uh, it's just been uh, we've been up here for a week and uh, our next trip will actually have uh, 
have more furniture in the house. So we'll have, uh, we'll be up here for maybe, a, maybe a couple of weeks the next time and we'll see. So, uh, but we love it up here. So uh, let's talk about court packing on Thursday. A group of Democrats unveiled a bill to expand the Supreme Court from nine justices to 13, otherwise known as the political practice of court packing. The bill called the, the Judiciary Act of 2021 is co-sponsored by Senator Ed Markey of Massachusetts and three Democrat congressmen, Jerry Nadler, the Weeble from New York, uh, Mondaire Jones of New York, and Hank Johnson of Georgia. In a press conference outside the Supreme Court on Thursday, the bill sponsors made it clear this was retaliation for Republicans denying Obama appointee Merrick Garland confirmation five years ago so that Trump could appoint Neil Gorsuch, followed by Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett. Republicans stole two seats on the Supreme Court, and now it is up to us to repair that damage. We must expand the court and we must abolish the filibuster to do it. I wish we didn't have a far right Supreme Court majority that is hostile to democracy itself, but here we are. Some people will say we're packing the court. We're not packing it, we're unpacking it. Yeah, well, you know what, uh, the President Trump packed the court, you know, because two, uh, two Supreme Court justices died and that's his job. And uh, one of them retired. So, you know, so the, the Democrats are going to get back because they didn't happen to be in the White House during that time where they would have done the same thing. Nancy Pelosi is usually all for these big power grabs. But in this case, she only supports Biden's move to start a commission to look at the idea of expanding the court. In her press conference Thursday, a reporter asked her if she would bring the court packing bill to the floor for a vote. No. I, I support the president's commission to study. I don't know that that's a good idea or a bad idea. I think it's a, an idea that should be considered. And I think the president's taken the right approach uh, to, um, to have a commission to study such a thing. It's a big step. Uh, but uh, in answer to your question, I have no plans to bring it to the floor. No. Yeah, he can. Uh, it's, it's something that should be considered. Why? Because we've got a, we've got a majority conservative Supreme Court now. And, you know, if you look at it, it looks like six conservatives to, to three, three liberals. But in, re, in reality, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts most of the time is, uh, is inappropriate and he's, um, got, he's got no, uh, no uh, stones. So he doesn't have the, the guts to be a conservative and rule on that he doesn't want anyone to, to not like him so uh he's for the most part is um wishy-washy and and rules with the with the liberals he won't take a stand so it really makes it five to four instead of with instead of uh six to three and you can't get any closer to balance than that we got a guy that has a a history of being conservative uh before he went to the court but a, but a track record since he's been with the court hasn't shown he's been conservative or having any any kind of a guts to uh, to take a stand. So I guess that makes them a, a liberal. So five to four. How much how much uh, closer could it get to balance? Jerry Nadler seems to think he can change Pelosi's mind. Speaker Pelosi is a very good good judge of events and of and of history. 
And I believe that as events unfold, as the court comes down with decisions destructive to a woman's right to choose, as they come down with decisions destructive to uh, to the climate, as they come down with the condition, with uh, decisions destructive of civil liberties, I believe that uh, Speaker Pelosi and others will uh, will come along. Yeah, well, you know, Pelosi's Pelosi's a uh, a great judge of events in history. Well, she's lived through so much of it, so she's uh, she just turned eighty one last month, and um, I've heard she does he she doesn't intend to run for re-election, which is probably the only way the the morons in San Francisco will not allow her to get. I, you know, I don't even know that it's the the, the voters that keep putting her back in. Um, based on what we've seen, vote, votes don't seem to make a difference. It's just what the powers that be want to do to uh, keep their keep their power. Um, but he talks about, you know, as as more as more unfavorable decisions come down, that that Pelosi will will be more likely to stand stand for this to uh, to take a vote on doing this bill on approving this bill to pack the court. She'll, she'll, she'll take a stand and say, Hey, uh, we're going to go ahead and vote on this. Um, but you know, this, this is the kind of stuff that a conservative court does, um, because they're going to take away women's rights and they're going to take away all kinds of, uh, uh, civil rights. But, you know, since, since the Trump's court has been in there, they've uh, made it once a couple of surprising rulings, Number one, they extended the 1964 Civil Rights Act to protect LGBTQ LMNOP employees. Uh, I just added those LMNOs because um, I'm sure they'll add some more letters in here. Uh, and so they in, they included them, LGBTQ employees, to be protected by the 19 civil right, 1964 Civil Rights Act. And, in, and another ruling by the Supreme Court, uh, they blocked President Trump's repeal of the Obama-era program that protects the so-called dreamers, DACA, the young immigrants who were brought to this country as children. So Obama uh, created DACA. Trump blocked it, blocked it, and the Supreme Court ruled against him and and uh, and repealed and blocked him from repealing it. So and today, if you're a DACA, you're you can buy a house and FHA will will give you a loan. So or they'll insure the loan. So that's one thing. Um, they got a comment from Stephen Breyer. Stephen Breyer made a two-hour speech in front of Harvard Law School, as I understand it. Um, and part of his statement said, "said Stephen Breyer is one of those three liberal, uh, liberal Supreme Court justices. Structural alteration motivated by the perception of political influence can only feed that perception, further eroding that trust. Breyer, who served on the, on the court since 1994, said in a two-hour address at Harvard Law School, there can be no shortcuts to it. So what he's saying is that if you're altering the structure of the Supreme Court, motivated, motivated by the perception of political influence is going to feed in that perception. And the trust of the people in the fairness of our justice system is going to be eroded. I think we're already there. So uh, let's talk about let's talk about uh, inflation and price gouging is what's going on what's going on since uh, Biden came in, came in. So we've all noticed the price of gas and consumer goods getting higher and higher over the past year. And now there's data to back it up. So let's listen to the science here. CNBC reports the consumer price index is up 2.6% from this time last year. Um, so let me put that into perspective. So when they, when they look at how inflation is, they, they look over the last year and they, and they add 
March is March. When they add March of 2021, um, they take off March of, of 2020. So they look at the last 12 months. When they look at April of 2021, they take off, off April of 2020. So we're, so as we went into April, we went into to, uh, three months in a row, April, May, and June, where inflation last year was negative because we saw people being locked up by the shutdown, by the COVID shutdown. We saw, we saw things, things actually getting cheaper because businesses were, because there was no competition. There's no business. So, um, so if you look at that, and this is, uh, I subscribe to a, uh, a market guru that I listen to every morning and he gives the logic of what's happening. He, he showed this about two months ago. Watch as we get into April, May, June, we're going to see inflation numbers um, go way up for three months. And it's going to look like things are out of control. But in fact, all we're doing is we're, we're adding a 0.2 inflation for this year. And last year was negative 0.4. So it's going to look like when you, when you start comparing, all of a sudden you're comparing the, uh, you're, you're making some huge differences in, in what the last 12 months add up to because those, uh, because those three months of negative inflation go away. So this is, this is not as huge, not as huge of a, of a crisis as what people will think. And then said after the, after those three months, we'll see things settle down because we're, we're comparing this year with last year, not those three months of, of a crisis uh, due to COVID. Gasoline prices were the biggest contributor, surging 9.1% from February to March. This isn't 9.1% over last year. This is 9.1% from February to March. And I was, and I mentioned that uh, I use premium in in all my gas guzzling vehicles, uh, which is all my vehicles. Um, and premium was three dollars and twenty nine cents uh, in before Biden was uh, was inaugurated. And today it's about four point, according to AAA, it's four point two four four dollars and twenty four cents, which is like a twenty nine percent increase over the last January, February, so three months. Three months, so is that going to be nine point one percent per month? Uh, three months in a row, it sounds like. Gas prices are also responsible for about half of the overall consumer price index increase. Price uh, gas prices are up twenty two point five percent from a year ago, and uh, part of the thirteen point two percent increase in energy prices. Um, food prices are up too, three and a half percent since this time last year. Specifically, prices have risen for for meats, poultry, fish, and eggs. All the protein uh, that feeds your muscles, uh, all the stuff that fills you up, um, spite in, in the construction industry, even worse. Um, the national association of home builders reports that the cost of lumber has spiked 180% over last year. So a piece of, uh, a piece of plywood, if it used to be 32 bucks now selling for 90 bucks based on a, a 180% increase. But, uh, this report states the price spiked has caused the price of the average new single family home to increase by more than 24,000 since April 17, 2020. So I think the supply and demand is pushing up prices of houses much farther than that. I'm thinking that this is a increase to building it by more than 24,000 and the market has just pushed the prices into, uh, into the level of stupid. Um, people are, people are bidding overbidding on houses. I've seen people bid $200,000 over the price of a home 
and go in with no appraisal contingency. They want they want to get a offer accepted that bad, and it's pushing the prices up. And uh, hence why I made uh, why I made the decision that this was the right time to uh, to liquidate. So uh, liquidate some of my properties. So and I have I have a lot left. So I'm still uh, I'm still not exiting real estate. I just had a group of six in Moreno Valley that just seemed like uh, uh, someone else should deal with them. And say I gave up uh, gave up a, a few thousand dollars in positive cash flow a month, but I stuck a whole bunch of money in the bank and uh, seized seized the moment. So, uh, but let's talk about. Here's a guy on TikTok that I saw go around. Um, this guy's a home builder speaking his mind about the price price gouging affecting his industry. Explain to me how that stuff up on that roof up there, that OSB, is five times higher than it has ever been before. Five times an increase in one year. Oh, you can tell me COVID and you can tell me shortages and I don't give a shit. I don't believe you. Looky here. There's stacks of that stuff at each of the lumber yards that I go to and Lowe's. All has stacks of it, yet every week, every day, it's a higher price, okay? So how are we supposed to survive this? You want to see the economy drop? You want to see the economy tank? Here's how you do it. These building materials, if they stay like this, you can bet your the economy is going to fail. The construction industry drives this country more than anybody knows. So if you're smart and you can tell me how this is happening and why this is happening and who's putting all that money in their pocket, please do explain this to me because I need to know. This is my livelihood. My family, I'm trying to feed, and I can't do it because of this price gouging. Well, happily, happily like said, like I said, the uh, the supply and demand is pushing the prices up to offset that. So, so think people will probably probably survive. But how long can people afford this stuff? How long can people afford to where you can't afford a uh, can't afford a house and then the government will do something stupid like I'm about to talk to. The Federal Reserve says it won't adjust policy based on short-term short-term jumps in inflation readings because Jerome Powell knows that uh that these three months were going to happen. And there's a he says there's a difference between a one-time surge in prices and ongoing inflation. Um I don't think he stated it exactly right. I think there's a there's a difference between a short-term surge in the figures because of what happened last year and ongoing inflation. And I think the, on, the inflation is ongoing just because of uh, how, how our, the current administration is doing things. And here's one example of what a bunch of idiots that we have in the, in the Biden administration. So here's a first time here, here it is first time home buyer credit legislation. It's a grant, not a tax credit. And conditions limit how many people would qualify. So consumers have been closely following President Joe Biden's proposed first-time homebuyer credit, but the latest legislative effort to assist homebuyers differs in several significant ways. The newest draft of a down payment assistance program bill would provide twenty-five thousand dollars to first-time homebuyers, but only to those who are who are first-generation homebuyers. So you're not allowed to have your your parents. Neither one of your parents could have owned a home. Well, how are they going to enforce that? How are they going to know that the names that they're uh, that people are giving as their parents are really their parents? Plus, Biden's proposal is not actually a homebuyer tax credit. It's actually money that would be available at closing. I think we did this about, uh, I think it was the beginning of Obama administration. Might have been uh, might have been during the Bush administration, and it didn't work out too good. So uh, on Wednesday, lawmakers uh, published a draft version of the legislation. Uh, get ready for the name of this, 
Down Payment Toward Equity Act of 2021. Down Payment of Equity Act. We want some, we want some people whose parents never owned a home uh, to be first-time homebuyers. We're going to give them $25,000 to get into one. What kind of people have never had owned a home? Their parents. I don't know. Maybe illegal immigrants coming in here. They never owned a home because they never lived here. Uh, during the, he- the hearing, lawmakers discussed a number of housing measures on the table in President Biden's infrastructure package, including funding to shore up public housing. The proposed down payment, this is another exciting point of it. The proposed down payment assistance would be means tested based on income limited to those who have not owned a house for at least three years. So you can't have owned a house for at least three years, which is typically how the industry sees a first time home buyer. And to qualify, neither of your borrower's parents may have owned a home. Of course, that qualification doesn't apply if your borrower's parents lost their home in a foreclosure or a short sale, or if the borrower has ever been in foster care. So if you've ever been in foster care, it doesn't matter who your parents are, even though you know who they are. Um, and if you're, and if your parents were irresponsible enough to have lost their house to foreclosure or have to short sale it, even if they short sold it to a relative so they could actually get back on title and just screw the banks in the process. Um, if any of that happened, then the rules are out the window for you. So I don't know, maybe, uh, of course, it wouldn't apply to me because I own houses. So, but I'm thinking my parents didn't lose a house in foreclosure because I came in and took it over for them before it happened and then uh, got it finished and sold it so they could actually have the money. Um, I guess if I didn't own a house today and if I hadn't have figured, I could have let it go to foreclosure. So then I could get 25000 from the government. That's how, that's how Americans think, folks. That's how Americans think, but it's not the right way, even if it makes sense. Business-wise, financially, doesn't make sense because it's wrong. Anyway, I'm all out of time for uh, this episode, the main event. So uh, next week, I'll be back with you broadcasting again from California. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Fund Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. California DRE ID number 1026588. Arizona MLO license number 0926439. Branch NMLS ID number 1841782. Summit Fund Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199. Arizona license number 0925837. Equal housing opportunity.